Hello and welcome to the Muni Oral History Project, where we explore the stories and rich history of the Springfield Municipal Opera over the past 60 years. Stories from the people who have built, experienced, and performed what we'd like to refer to as Muni Magic. Sit back and relax and listen to these tales of Broadway under the stars. We are joined by Tiffany Williams today and so excited to get to talk to you about your Muni experiences and some of your history with the Muni. It's really fun to get to know the people that I have performed with and be able to uh, speak to you about your story because I don't know as much of your past story and it's exciting to get to hear that. So we'll talk a bit about uh, Muni today and want to just ask you, what was your first Muni experience, either as uh, somebody in the audience or somebody on stage? When was that and what was that like? Yeah, well, um, thanks for giving me an opportunity to share with you. It's kind of like a fun walk down memory lane thinking about my first Muni experience. Um, I actually was still enrolled at Eastern Illinois University in Charleston and I was going to graduate um, kind of, um, uh, I guess I, I was married um, with a one-year-old and as we were graduating, we were moving back to Springfield, which is the hometown of my husband. Both sides of his family are here in Springfield. And I somehow, someway, I was trying to figure out um, how I could kind of um, get involved in the community, meet new people. And um, I, don't, I don't know exactly how I came across Muni Auditions, but I was, like I said, I was wrapping up um, student teaching and made a trip over the weekend to Springfield. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. I, it's like ridiculous for me to even think about. Um, and at that time at EIU, um, the music and theater departments weren't really working together. And in, you know, four or five years at Eastern, I was in one the music theater production of Brigadoon. <laughs> 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 and so, um, yeah, that was the extent of my music theater experience, other than what I enjoyed, you know, listening to. Um, and so I came and auditioned and I ended up getting the part of Marty in Greece. And um, I was alongside some really fun Muni friends who, you know, I've, I've maintained friendships with ever since and always get excited when I get to work with them again. But that was, that was a really great production. As I recall, it was kind of um, record breaking in terms of audience uh, attendees. And so I, my first experience was like, kind of mountaintop, amazing, you know, pink lady. And I mean, that was just incredible. That was incredible for me. So I think that was many years ago. Eastern Illinois between uh, you <laughs> and I know Mac Warren and Jacob Dieters, uh, a lot of people that went to Eastern and, um, and coming over to here. So, so you are, so you found out about Muni somehow, but you had never sat in the audience or actually been to the site before you auditioned? Not at all. Wow. That's incredible. And, That's yeah. And my husband's family's not, they're not art people. So I, I, I wish I could remember how I heard about it, but I know I went digging. 
I know I felt, you know, in some kind of way, I was a new mom, newly married, I was going to be in a new job. And um, I really just wanted, you know, to find a way to have a, a great start in this community. Yeah. And so can you tell us about so if you're walking into this audition cold, and maybe this is uh, inspirational for someone that might be listening to get involved in the beauty, even uh, hearing back your memories, but can you, do you remember that first audition that you had and maybe um, sort of the experience that you went through in that audition? I don't remember anything about the audition, but I remember being in the cast. You know, I remember um, the actual experience because I, I do know that I was rushing, you know, to participate in that and then rushing to get back to whatever I had to do back at school. Um, like being amazed uh, at getting that role, but really having no idea like what a what a great opportunity that was and maybe um, wasn't till after that people were like, oh, you know, I, I'll tell you the little rumors. Oh, they cast the same people and new people never get a chance. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and, you know, um, when we talk about, you know, culturally, this was uh, 20 years ago. So for my first experience at the Muni to be um, cast as Marty and never seeing a couple productions of Grease and of course the movie, but never seeing African-Americans uh, play, you know, lead roles live in, in that production, um, it meant a lot to me. And they even had my husband dress up in military, in a military uniform to take a black and white photo for me to sing Freddie My Love to. <laughs> that is so, so great. I know that that is my first meeting experience. That's wonderful. Well, start to walk us down a bit of memory lane then, because I know you've had so many uh, fun and memorable experiences at the Muni, but can you talk to us about some of those memories that really stand out or some of those roles or even times at the Muni that you weren't on stage, maybe even as a member of the audience that might stand out to you? Okay, well, stop me if I go too far. People would probably be surprised. Um, you know, they know some of my roles um, later or it might appear, you know, that I get like these featured roles or leading roles, but I, um, they, the genres that I've been able to explore in the community have been really amazing. So I think I kind of went from Greece to a little night music and the role of Petra. Um, so totally different speed, totally different style. I believe I made out behind a couch with Greg Donovan. <laughs> so yeah, you know, things happen in the midst of no, we didn't really make out. Actually, I did kiss a guy for the first time on stage in that production, and that, there was some slobber involved. So those are like kind of some like um, moments that I will never forget. And then um, to move into, you know, shows like uh, Big River and Ragtime, um, which, I mean, uh, just the storyline behind that and the seriousness of of those two shows. And Big River was uh, directed by Phil Funkenbush. And I remember loving the music, just loving the scene. We were probably off book in terms of that score so quickly because we were just going to church every night. 
And I mean, I was in there with Tosh Gorin and um, um, Lindsay. I mean, there was just like, so it, it was just amazing. And then um, uh, Big Mike and Corey, it was just an incredible experience. And I remember that Phil, um, he is so wonderful at understanding the history behind not just the creators of the shows that he directs and, and the contributors, but behind the, the time, the historical context of everything. And so every night is like, seemed like before rehearsal, we had to get a history lesson. Mm -hmm. but, but that was important, especially when you have shows where somebody might use the N-word or something like that. It's like, you have to get your cast into the right mindset so that, you know, people within the cast don't then, you know, start to have problems. <laughs> you think about a show like Ragtime and you're divided into these three groups. Those are the people that you're practicing with. Those are the storylines that you represent. Sometimes you can have a tough time not kind of making uh, what's going on on stage, you know, part of what's going on in real life and, and having some division amongst the cast. So it takes, you know, really uh, conscious directors and thoughtful directors to you know turn those into wonderful opportunities but Mary Jo was in that my children have been on stage with me so the on-stage experiences have been uh, phenomenal and then um, but offstage I can definitely speak to the way that the Muni uh, was a, a, a major opportunity for my show choirs to raise funds and the show, um, I taught both at Lanford High School and Southeast High School, and we would come together. So at, at you know, some moment in time, I literally taught at both high schools, part-time at Lanford, part-time at Southeast. And, you know, in one school, we might have a little bit larger budget. In another school, we might have a better facility. In one school, we might have a great parent base, uh, several parent volunteers. Um, in the other school, we might have, you know, some, some wonderful talent, leading talent. And so uh, it was just, for me, a great time. But we were out there parking cars every summer. We were out there cleaning bathrooms, cleaning seats. And I think when I was in AIDA, of course, I couldn't do both. But I signed up thinking, yeah, we'll have, we'll have my group fundraise while I'm doing the stage piece. And my husband was out there running, <laughs> running back and forth and parking cars and trying to pay, make sure that people showed up. So, um, but we would not have had the opportunities um, that we had to travel outside of the city of Springfield and to provide what I, what I would consider like equitable experiences to some of the surrounding cities that have these large award-winning show choirs, you know. We wanted to be able to ride in charter buses or, or you know, travel to um, Disney World or Texas, different places that we've gone. And the Muni was instrumental in um, helping us raise the funds to support arts in the schools. That's really cool. That's a very neat, uh, neat story to hear. And, you know, going back to uh, what you mentioned, you mentioned uh, about Phil and and uh, particularly, I, I love his, it's like a famous little notebook that he carries around that always has a history lesson in it, right? Um, yeah. But the, the people that you meet throughout your time at Muni, I think, are also um, such a, 
huge part of why we do what we do and why we spend so many summer nights uh, out there. But can you speak to that having not, I know you said that your husband's family was in the Springfield area, but when you came to Springfield, um, I know this was my experience and I wonder if you had a similar experience that theater was that outlet to meet those people and to, to kind of develop those friendships having not necessarily been from the area originally. It was my experience and I am, I'm a busybody and I have a, a, a like a variety of interests. Um, you know, so over here I'm on, I might, I'm on this, you know, credit union board and over here I'm an educator and over here I have my theatrical experience over here. I'm in a historically black Greek organization. And so I kind of, I have a number of outlets, but I think what was important about the Muni at that time is that I was raising my kids and having children. And so there's 10 years apart uh, from, you know, my son who was one when I moved here to my youngest. And um, as a young mom, and I think a ton of moms can relate to this, you start to lose touch with, you know, your, your girls group that you used to hang out with, or maybe you can't volunteer as much at church as you used to. So, um, and you're just so busy raising kids. And when you're not, you're tired and you're sleeping. <laughs> so you throw in working full time on top of that. And your social life really takes, you know, is, is your last priority. So, you know, the way I would describe it is that Muni, even if it was an every other year experience, that was kind of my social outlet. And we, you know, we'd do rehearsals and then we'd go out for pizza afterward. Um, or even the rehearsals themselves were opportunities for me to laugh, for me to sing, for me to, again, meet new people um, and really of all generations. Um, and so that part of it was really cool too. So. Um, for me, it was my social life probably for a decade um, and just looking forward to working on that every summer. And um, so I, I think I have met, you know, more, more people through theater, on, only second to the number of students that I've taught in Springfield. Um, that, has, that is where I've met many, many acquaintances and then um, some wonderful close friends. That's great. So it, we get to have a bit fun with this question. This is supposed to not necessarily be a traumatic experience for you, but just a, a fun experience to look back on. We always talk about the idea that the show must go on. So is there a, a moment that comes to mind where maybe something uh, did go a bit awry and you had to react to that on stage or something that you witnessed while backstage maybe Maybe you already mentioned it with Greg Donathan. I don't know, but uh, what is your, <laughs> is there any movies that come to mind there? I'm not my two minutes of heaven, not that. No, I um, <laughs> I um, so Mary Kate will probably, and she probably she doesn't have to mention this because it was I was the one who saw it. But uh, during Aida, we have this really touching moment, and we're in her room and we're having a conversation and she's telling me about the man she's in love with, but she has no idea I'm in love with him too. And um, one night when we were sitting there, she had a huge spider 
hopefully she doesn't tell the opposite way. Like she was looking at me and maybe I had a huge spider, but somewhere <laughs> in that, one of us had a huge, huge spider crawling on us during this like touching, you know, soft, quiet moment. And when we came off stage, I just, so I guess it was on me, but when we came off stage, I just remember her going, oh my gosh, how did you hold it together? She's like, I would have freaked out. So I think it was probably on me, but I can, I just remember her kind of making a note of that. I've swallowed many a bug, many a bug while singing and you just swallow hard and keep going. And probably like my worst moment was my recent production of Annie and I forgot the words to little girls. Uh, and you just, you know, I like to tease that I'm like a rapper and I could just come up with stuff, but I don't know what I was thinking. But you know what? I just kept going until I could find my way back. I knew when the verse started, I knew when it ended. I just, I don't know if it rhymed, but you know, I got through the song. So I haven't had any major, like I haven't fallen and I don't think I've had a situation where I missed a cue. Uh, but th those are probably, I, the, the last one in Aida, I have a, a some kind of amulet or pendant around my neck. And when I did my change at uh, intermission, they accidentally put my second mic through that so and it had all the tape running up my neck and also down the side of my face and at the end of the second act one of the soldiers is supposed to rip that off of my neck and um and it usually kind of it doesn't break away I guess he he rips it over my head yeah he rips it over my head but it was underneath my mic um cord and so it it went over my neck, ripped the tape like halfway off, and then was hanging down my back. <laughs> and he came back and was like, you know, I guess trying to fix the fact that he left it on stage and finished the job <laughs> and ripped that thing off. So then all the tape on my neck and my face, and that was my dying scene. And let me just tell you, I was in there <laughs> in some real pain. So. That is, uh, <laughs> at least you could laugh about it now, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I may have had a diva moment after that, but whatever. <laughs> I, think that that, I think that that's totally warranted. That's totally fine. Um, talk about, uh, just because it's the, your most recent experience, and um, you mentioned uh, the opportunity in Greece to play uh, kind of more like a, what we would call a colorblind casting, right? And, and making mm -hmm. sure that there's not... There's not a um, uh, particular race associated with a particular role. And you played Miss Hannigan recently. Uh, in right. And so can you talk about uh, that experience of playing uh, Miss Hannigan? And I, mainly I bring it up because we just, uh, I just spoke to Carly Shank not too long ago. And of course, she had mm -hmm. so many uh, fun things to talk about with Annie. But could you speak uh, to that show's experience? Uh, well, somebody asked me one time, you know, probably in the promotion of the show, like, is this, was this one of your, uh, you know, top five roles to play? Was Miss Hannigan on your bucket list? And I go, no, like, Black girls don't grow up going, oh, I want to play Miss Hannigan when I get older, because you just, um, I don't know if you, if you grow up feeling that way, you know, they kind of say children are colorblind, but I guess when you start 
actually planning for your like your bucket list of roles you don't think about it but I mean I didn't have to work on the role too much because I was so in love with the show as a child I knew all the songs and um, Carol Burnett and the movie version me and my sister is just one of our favorite characters so I kind of had the opportunity to really think more deeply about getting that role um and I'm a little bit older too so even like getting Marty and Grease you know 20 years ago was like wow this is really cool and really fun and playing Miss Hannigan was like wow this is really meaningful and um and and you know and I'm I'm grateful in the sense that um like this is my theater community and you know not to say that it's, it's always perfect and not to say that everybody has had the same experience right. um but you know i have to appreciate um carly's vision for how she wanted the comedic role played and that um you know that that was approached with you know a, a, that it was a colorblind um kind of uh, description of what she it didn't matter about that it was it was how those lines were going to be uh, delivered and so you know you work a little bit on an accent and <laughs> and then you find out Craig Williams is playing your brother and you're like ah, okay I'm, I'm down for whatever but um but it is even at my age and you know 20 years later um I, you know, I would definitely say that it was uh, a memorable opportunity, something I was, somebody I was proud to, proud to play. And what's so funny is how much, how many little, other little girls really like Miss Hannigan, you know, and it's just like, I was so surprised that they didn't all hate me and didn't want to run at the end, but that there are a lot of little girls who just, um, adore Miss Hannigan. So I, you know, that was kind of, uh, again, really, really memorable. And, you know, I didn't really have any idea what was to come uh, within, you know, by the, the country or anything like that. But I think, I think we were kind of well on our way to knowing that there um, were just some issues with um, division as a country. And um, I just value and treasure the opportunity for the Muni, Muni stage to be one that, uh, in my experience, represents unity. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, it's, it's interesting. Annie seems to be that through line because uh, I've also had a chance to talk to Natalie Randall, and she mentioned that uh, she her first show at the Muni was Annie. And... Uh, being an orphan, all those orphans that grow up to be uh, these leading ladies at the Muni and things like that. So it's obvious why that show uh, is so impactful and comes back um, so often on our stage because it, it does give these opportunities to everybody. Now, uh, moving into some of the more uh, abstract questions, if you will, but what does, we use these phrases, Muni magic and Muni family, but what does the phrase Muni magic mean to you? What, do you? what would you attribute to that? Well, if I can, if I can elaborate a little bit on um, Annie, if I can still talk about Annie, 
I like Muni Magic is um, Eloise Seaback to me. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> when I talk about kids that love Miss Hannigan, um, her just kind of like adoration of what she saw and, um, uh, you know, my role in that allowed me to love and enjoy that role for like months and months to come because her mom would just let me know <laughs> days that she was dressed up as Miss Hannigan or days that she was, would have these just funny sayings. I think that represents Muni Magic when what you go and see just makes a lasting impression, um, an unforgettable memory. And as you stated before, sometimes it happens on stage, but a lot of times it happens with you and your friends or you and your family um, in the audience. Um, you know, Muni Magic is <laughs> me and my show choir parking cars and cleaning bathrooms every night of either or, or every night of Peter Pan and, you know, actively calling out to Tinkerbell, you know, on cue, night after night after night after night, and still laughing and still just loving every moment of that. So um, to me, it is, the Muni, Muni Magic is your opportunity to share special memories with friends and family that they just don't go away. Yeah, and that's uh, that kind of leads us into the other thing that we've been focusing on uh, so much these past couple of seasons is this idea of, of Muni as a family. And uh, is there anything you wanted to, you'd like to add about that? I know you've mentioned that your whole family's been involved at the Muni, <laughs> one way, shape, or form. But also your uh, the the idea that the people that you come to meet there and kind of that community that is built around that site. Well, I think that um, in Springfield, and then especially especially me as an educator, uh, you know, everything you do is associated like with your school and your side of town. And, you know, everybody has pride in that, but there is, you know, a competitive nature as well. Um, you know, hopefully it's healthy competition, but, you know, sometimes it isn't. And Muni, uh, participating in Muni really eliminates that. And um, instead, you know, I truly believe it's more of a celebration of what our entire community, and that's the Springfield community and then the surrounding community. Some of these places I would have never gone to, let me just tell you people. <laughs> People hosting get-togethers outside Springfield. I'm like, okay, all right, let me put this in my <laughs> GPS real quick. <laughs> but I mean, right? I would never have had um, those experiences without those friends um, in the Muni. And so I think that's really important that if people, you know, some people work for the state or people work for the hospitals, but if you don't... Um, take the time to become a part of a group that is representative of the entire community um, that you are missing out on so much. And, you know, I would say there's, you know, competition, obviously, when you go to auditions, 
you know, there, there, there's always going to be a sense of, you know, competing for a role, but, um, there's at this time, there's so many people that audition, you know, the next time you come together, you're in the production. And so, um, it, I I have never felt I've I've never felt you know once I'm in the production that you know that we're picking sides in any kind of way, um, you know like uh, DJ DJ and Lindsay Rudd are out there um, um, keeping the grounds and you know I enjoyed spending time going to get my hot dog and meeting DJ back there. And now he works at the same school as I do. And it's just, it's really neat that, hey, we connected over a Muni dog, you know, backstage that summer. And, um, you know, also that idea that we all get out and work to, you know, do participate in our Muni work days. Some people, you know, might not think it's important or not understand, but it, I think it sends, uh, it um, creates the foundation of saying, you know, you are going to value something that you have an investment in. And so when you invest your time and your energy in pulling weeds or painting, I don't have any skills in building or things like that, but, you know, I will go out and clean up um, as much as I can and, and I just think that uh, you'll see a lot of people out there with their family members or with their children. And so like when you instill that in them and then you get the opportunity to perform on that stage that you've gotten your hands dirty with, I think uh, it just, it brings all the right things about community um, together in that full experience. And, I, and that carries on really, I think all the way to the end, to tearing down you know, you get your hugs and your cries and then you get out there and you help tear down. And um, in my experiences, we've always shared a meal together. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a, like kind of ritualistic, but it's just, I think it allows you to have this wonderful experience and then just close in, in a way that um, is comfort to you. And that's kind of what that last meal is. Yeah, two or three o'clock in the morning, and you're, uh, and, and it is, it's a, it's a nice closure piece, right? And and some people even out there a little bit later than that. I know there's been some yeah. mini sunrises uh, taking down those sets. Um, you said something, this is cheating a little, because you, you said something before we started recording that I just wanted to, um, I, I guess I wanted to, to have down. Uh, and you were talking about your role as an educator and, and your transition. You've you've transitioned from uh, being a music uh, teacher to being an administrator and sort of uh, how the arts and theater uh, helped contribute to that in some way. And I just thought it was kind of a neat uh, observation that you made. And I, I wonder if you'd be willing to share it again. Sure, you know, I had just mentioned that my years as an educator and were, invaluable to my success as an administrator and you know now that we've been talking about community participation several of the things that I, I was doing as a music teacher you can also do voluntarily or as on the muni board or as part of the organization but 
people wouldn't necessarily say, oh, somebody in the arts makes a good administrator because we're not doing, you know, we don't have subjects that are included in standardized testing. And, you know, our schedules are very different toward, um, different than what your core subject teachers experience. But some of the things I listed that have really helped me, um, and I can probably <laughs> list 10 more, but I talked about hosting events and um, preparing the publicity for those events. You know, most teachers don't have to recruit for their classes. Most teachers don't have to promote their classes. And then, you know, our assessments are our concerts and our productions, and we have, we promote for those as well. And um, as an administrator, you know, that's, that's a big part of what you do is promoting your school. And, you know, when people visit your website, what do they see? Well, a lot of that, my technology experience comes from all of those things that I was doing for my choir, preparing recordings and getting um, familiar with music technology and, and the various instruments. <laughs> it really, again, it, it translated, you know, when I came into my administrative role and really being able to assist with technology, you know, in a, in a very, helpful way and as a teacher you know I sought an iPad grant so I could bring music technology and then as an administrator I was able to manage the iPads for the entire school and you wouldn't think that you would get that experience from hiring a music teacher but we also deal with budgeting quite a bit again not a, a normal experience for um, you know very many teachers unless they're a club sponsor or something like that and then I would say too, the parent meetings that we have to have, the way we engage with those parents. We have our students for four years. So we work very hard at building and maintaining relationships. And right now, social emotional learning and, and understanding relationships with youth. I mean, it's important. You cannot be a successful teacher uh, without doing that. And then as an administrator, I'm responsible for having those relationships with the entire school. So, you know, using, using different events, different forms of technology, different methods, having a level of comfort in front of a crowd, having a level of comfort meeting new people, all of that has come with my music educational experience and my theater experience. So I, I would say that, um, you know, there's no such thing as just a music teacher. <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that, you know, whether it's instrumental music or vocal music. Um, you know, one thing I laughed about is when they talked about class size and a lot of teachers are like, well, I don't want, you know, too many kids in my class. And music teachers were like, send them on. The more, the better. What? 45? 45 is not enough. Give me 50, you know? <laughs> so... So, you know, I just think it's a unique experience. It's a wonderful experience. And, you know, one of the things I love the most, which I'm, I'm having an opportunity to reconnect with Stephen Robinson on the board of managers now. But, you know, I first met Stephen, ugh, I shouldn't say this, but as his teacher <laughs> at Southeast High School. And he was, he was a sensation. And they, they had a lot of success before I got there. And I think it, I came in only for his senior year, but his leadership within the group really helped me be a better teacher. And 
because I was really young back then and you're out of the loop sometimes when you go to college they don't always teach you exactly what you need to know in the classroom and I'm still rocking 90s songs and it's a new generation they're like we don't want to sing that so you know but but it was it's I so it's like full circle to start my career he was there right near the beginning we were on stage together in Aida and then to come together again it, it, you know it, it's kind of art imitating life and um I just think I just think the Muni creates so many opportunities for those who who want to be a part and then I think the arts can open doors that you would never ever imagine that's wonderful yes and uh it, it's exciting to have you on the uh, board of managers. It's going to be a, a fun time, I know. So it, it's hard to believe that uh, I've made it all the way through my questions, except for to say that uh, this is your chance. If there's any other uh, moments that have come to mind or, or maybe just wrapping up with why the Muni in your mind is a special place. And you've touched on that quite a bit, but is there any other final thoughts that you'd have for us? Well, I, I would just say that if you use the example of musical theater in our community, you know, you could easily compare older productions to newer productions or one person who played this role to somebody who's playing um, that role in a, in a critical way. I think the beauty of the arts in our community is when we can have an appreciation for every generation of what has taken place on live music stages <laughs> for every night of you know live entertainment and then just the many facets of what it takes for different people a community of different people from different places to really like come together and make it happen. And man, I just feel like if, if, you know, if the world could model what we do in the arts, what a better place it would be. And the Muni specifically has given me the opportunity to perform with my friends, as I've stated, to make new friends, to perform with all of my children, um, whether they continue to be performers or not. We, we always have that very, very special place. And then to use my talents and in any way that I can. The one experience I didn't mention was in the pit. Tom Philbrook is, it's his birthday today. Happy birthday. <laughs> it, it, might, it won't be when this airs, but you can leave that in there. Shout out to Tom Philbrook. I'm T. Will. He's T. Phil. We taught at Southeast together, and he gave me the opportunity to start playing in the pit, and I played for Little Shop of Horrors. I played for Jekyll and Hyde. But, like, what other place can you go and just use every bit of blessing that you know your creators bestowed upon you and be acknowledged and be appreciated and and create those kind of memories so 
I, I would encourage people if your place is not on stage, <laughs> that there are a hundred other ways for you to plug in and make incredible memories. If you feel like you're, something's tugging on your heart to serve your community, the Muni and the arts touches so many people um, of so many different generations drive the golf cart to help people that are um, our seniors get to where they need to get to. It's just in numerous, the ways that you can help. And, you know, the last thing that I would say is <laughs> rather than bringing any air of division or unnecessary criticism to what we are doing as a community, that we would instead focus our energy and our, and our effort on celebrating what we are bringing together and, and maybe keeping in mind that this would be a wonderful and beautiful model for the rest of the world. That is a, a perfect uh, ending. And thank you so much for uh, doing this for us. And we are just excited to be able to continue to see you on stage and volunteering out at the Muni. Great, thank you for this opportunity. This has been fun. Thank you for listening to the Muni Oral History Project. This is an ongoing effort to capture the memories and stories of the Springfield Municipal Opera. If you have pictures, videos, or stories you'd like to contribute to this effort, please email history at themuni.org. Your hosts have been Jacob Potty and Craig McFarland. Production assistance by Vanessa Ferguson and Jeremy Geckner. Special thank you to the Muni Board of Managers and the Muni Board of Trustees for their support in this effort. And thank you to all the Muni family who continue to help us create magic every summer.